Hello, my name is Shane Brody. I'm a host here on KWRK. I have a show called Fairbanks Public Affairs. This is part two of my interview with Sarah Henschen of Save Our Domes. In part two, we continue to discuss the permitting, exploration, and production stages of gold mining. So back to what they're doing right now. They're exploring, and these companies, what they do, their business model is they come in, they get these leases for exploration, and they try to find the deposit. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is they're generating data. They're generating models. And once they have a certain degree of certainty, and they say, yes, there's enough gold here to support a mine, what they'll do is they'll sell that data package to a production company. Oh, I see. And when that happens, the production company needs to apply for a mining permit, Mm. which is different than an exploration permit. Okay. So right now, we're in this period of exploration, and we- Are these these companies kind of of owned by the same conglomerates though? Not necessarily, no. okay. and it changes. And okay. that and that can kind of add to the complexity of the situation. For example, Esther Dome, I believe those were originally, those permits were originally held by Millrock. Okay. And then Millrock partnered with Felix Gold. Okay. And then Millrock decided that they didn't want to work on Esther Dome anymore, and they sold all their shares to Felix Gold. So now it's Felix Gold's. Okay. You know, and this is normal. Who, who owns it now? I don't know. <laughs> yes. So it, it can be, it's, it's a moving target. Okay. It's a moving target. It, so it sounds like it. That's why I kind of talk. Make, that makes it hard for activists to keep track of too. It does. Yeah. It does. And it makes it hard, like if you want to find information, yeah. you really have to pay attention to who owns what. Right. Not, not And not even thinking about activists either. It, it, it It's difficult for the general public to get this information. Right. Yeah. And then there's also, there's a difference between the people who own the permit and the operators. Mm. So you can have different owners and different operators. Oh, wow. And, you know, there's also different uh, land designation. Mm-hmm. So there's state land, there's federal land, there's mental health trust land. Yes. Uh, and I'm not sure if you want me to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because this is part of, definitely part of the story here in Fairbanks. Yes. So the state of Alaska, when it was formed, was trying to figure out a way to fund different public services. And Alaska has a lot of land and a lot of natural resources. And so what they did is there was a basic geologic survey and the state decided, okay, these lands have resources that can be extracted eventually, and we're going to set them aside for to fund mental health. Were these generally like lands that people thought that we could mine? Mine or log. Okay. Okay. So it's it's not just mineral extraction. Okay. It's it's timber as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. It's gravel. It's you know it's a variety of things. Mm-hmm. They diversified, mm-hmm. you know, which is which is smart. And so there's a lot of mental health trust land around here, and that's a slightly different permitting process than just for state lands okay. because it's a different you know it it's land designated for a different purpose. It's terrible that we're funding mental health services which we desperately need. Oh my goodness, we so desperately need this because our suicide rate is so high you know trauma from colonization is still here you go to a school board meeting and there are women talking about how they were you know put in the boarding schools and stuff there's a lot of trauma here and so we need services to deal with that but to connect it with an industry that is arguably extremely harmful mining 
right? It's, it, it, that's a bad system. I, I'm just going to say it. That's a bad system. Isn't there something else that we can do? I'm not, I'm not asking you that question, but just in general, people, let's try and get off of this model. For one thing, it's not stable, like we were just talking about the boom and bust thing. Um, and we need stable services, social services, to give to people who are in this community that need help. But to tie it to something that is also harmful, is, it just, that just does not make sense to me. Mental health trust lands, well, the mental health trust is uh, also interesting because the money that they generate can't actually go for, like, paying for doctors oh. to see people. Then what There's, does it go for? Because uh, we desperately need to pay some doctors to come up here. <laughs> yes, and and I'm not super well-versed on this, okay. but there there are restrictions on what it can be used okay. for. And so it's, it's kind of a... Uh, that's my next interview is to talk uh, to somebody about that. Yes, that so would if be. So if you're familiar with that, I'd love to talk to you. Yes, that would that would be really enlightening. Yeah. Um, so there's mental health trust lands, and that's kind of what kicked off the Esther Dome, you know, highlighted that. It was like, okay. well, hey, wait a minute, this is going on. So Is it a slightly easy pro- easier process with that? Not necessarily, okay. but the mental health trust is highly motivated to approve. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because that's how they generate their funds. That is their job. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. So it's it's a bit easier to get approval. And and you know, they're going to say, "Oh, we have a very rigorous, you know, process and mm-hmm. high standards." But I mean, if you just look at the model, it's they're they're designed to extract that okay. stuff from that land. So you think there's not enough safeguards or a critical eye on these projects? No, and it, it's not necessarily clear as to how the state defines the best use of land. Mm, yes, that's a sticky situation right there. It is. Yeah. Is it mining mm-hmm. or is it agriculture? Yeah. Or ski land tourism or... Or residential uses mm-hmm. or right. recreational uses. Right. and. Where, how much public pushback does there need to be for the state to say a mine is not an appropriate use mm. for this land? Mm. And we don't have an answer for that. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know the answer to that. Well, when things are fuzzy like that, it usually defaults to <laughs> something that isn't in the public interest because it can be interpreted by whoever has the power and who has the power. Definitely the mining interests have power, especially if they're working hand in hand with state agencies to get these things approved so they can get the money. Yeah. Yes, the state it's the state kind of has a conflict of interest mm-hmm. because they yeah. want to generate money, but yeah. they're also supposed to safeguard our health and safety. Right. Some people might call that crony capitalism as well. Yes. <laughs> so we're privileging some kinds of business over others. Like, for instance, would any tourists want to come here to look in an open pit mine? I'm not so sure about that. Well, I mean, there's those weirdos that, like... <laughs> I, geology weirdos, maybe. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I don't know. It's and, and Are we going to do some princess tours of... <laughs> well, you know? another issue is going to be, uh, you know, and this is getting back to the Mancho project, is, you know, all of those people that drive up in their RVs. Right. Are they going to want right. to contend with ore haul traffic? Right. And, I mean, the, the road is in bad shape as it is. I mean, just with the regular traffic. 
imagine what is it? Some of these trucks are what ninety five feet long, and it's basically the the length of three buses or something. Eighty tons. What's that going to do to our already kind of crappy roads? Well, and I can talk a little bit about the roads. Okay, sure. Um, the state of Alaska is currently having a staffing problem at DOT. Oh, yeah, because all over. they have not been able to keep up with the inflation rate. And so... Oh, I see. So cost of living has gone up, but the compensation hasn't gone up. Exactly. Mm. And in fact, some of the compensation has gone down. Oh, no. Yes. It's almost like they're trying to drive some people away. It's a serious... It it is a serious problem. And um, they're having a really tough time getting technicians that they need. We're currently having this this issue right now before the roads are being torn up by ore haul traffic. Right. And a lot of our funding for road construction is federal. However, the state has to pay for the state employees. Mm. And that's kind of where the the bottleneck is right now. Okay. And and so people are talking about like, well, you know, we're gonna have to and that's that's the societal cost that, you know, the mining industry doesn't have to pay for. Right. We're paying for it. The public is paying for it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So. That's why it's crony capitalism. So it's it's using public resources to privilege particular industries, particular companies. And we don't see that money. It most of it, most all of it goes right away. It doesn't benefit benefit us at all. It's privatizing the profits yeah. and socializing the costs. Right, exactly. Mm, I love that phrase. That's a very succinct phrase, yeah. And we're gonna have to pay for you know, the reclamation doesn't doesn't just end when the company leaves. I mean, we know that. Well, and, and we do, in the United States, we do have very, comparatively, very good standards mm-hmm. for reclamation. But these sites will always have to be monitored. Always. Like the Nabezna mine, for instance, that was 100 years ago. But it's being cleaned up by the EPA and monitored, and it's that in, in perpetuity. Well, and then there are examples, and I'm just saying this is what the industry is going to say. So, for example, the Red Dog Mine Mm -hmm. up north, that was actually, they're cleaning that up. So that was a naturally occurring, very sulfide-rich deposit that was leaching into the environment. And they're they're coming in and they're kind of cleaning it up by mining it. But it's still, you know, it's still... A potential environmental hazard. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of villages around there. I lived in Kotzebue when I was a kid. Most everyone was doing heavy subsistence, hunting, fishing, berry picking, etc. And then we have a point source of pollution coming in. It makes me, when I heard about that, actually I got terrified for the people that I grew up with in that area. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it just seems like a David and Goliath type of fight. Yes, yes. Even though the public is most of us, right? Right. But then it's like these companies where wealth gets concentrated just to a few people. Yeah, millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. So that's kind of... Where we are right now is these exploration companies. Now, there's a variety of projects, and they're at different stages. Yeah. I got to say, I, I did look at some maps, and it's it's kind of takes up most of the Fairbanks area, these projects. So this process is really vigorous. 
of exploring and, and applying for these permits. It is. It is. And it kind of goes back to it's in the state's best interest to try to develop these lands for mining. Now, to talk about exactly where these lands are, because I'm sure most of you are kind of sitting there right. panicking, like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, where is this right. going to happen? Because, I mean, I looked at this map. It's uh, the, So I did some gig work for a while. I was delivering food. All these places are places where I was delivering food to. There are people all around them. And uh, what I'm afraid is going to happen, uh, for example, off of Old Murphy Dome, there's people that live out there, but it's not super densely populated. Mm. And so the argument is going to be, oh, well, for these 20 people, you know, it's going to really suck. But sure. it's not going to be that bad for everyone else. Sure. It'll be fine, mm-hmm. you know. But mm-hmm. if you enjoy Olna's Pond, for example. Mm-hmm. Or berry picking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be, um, I'm in, or if you have an Arabic. B&B business, yeah. and people come up to look at the Northern Lights. Right, right. And Which is becoming more and more, more popular, actually. It is, yeah. it is. And then also, you talked previously about our inversion. Mm-hmm. Right. We already have terrible air quality. Right. And if we're going to open up another Fort Knox-sized mine on the backside of Old Murphy Dome Road... You're saying that there's a lot of dust generation? And there can be a lot of dust, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the noise. And the trucks themselves, I bet, are burning a lot of fuel, too, diesel. on top of that. Yeah. Diesel. They use a lot of diesel at these mines specifically because it's not as flammable as gasoline, so mm. it's safer. Okay. How, well, it's safer for the employees. In, in quotes. Yes, <laughs> no. yes. Um, but then there's more particulates that are burned off, There right? are more partic- mm-hmm. particulates, mm-hmm. and also... They're using elect- our electricity from GVEA. Oh. And so, so that ha- has the potential to raise our rates, too. Fort Knox get a, gets a discounted rate because they maintain their own lines. Okay. So they actually pay a lower rate than you and me. Oh, great. That's another form of crony capitalism, by the way. But also, you know, the load that's going to go onto right. the, the power plant. Right. So there's an increase in particulates there. Right. You know, we're burning coal, coal. to generate power. Right. And we're going to power these mines with coal. Wow. So And that's at the same time that that residents are being encouraged to get rid of their wood stoves, which is so strange, right? The public is making sacrifices so that we can have, you know, a shared quality of life that is increased because we have cleaner air. But then we're allowing companies to possibly come in and ruin all that and make it much, much worse. That doesn't make sense to me. Yes. So getting back to where they're exploring right now, there's been known occurrences. Thank you for your discipline in this interview, by the way. (laughs) You're welcome. Well, this this really is kind of the most critical piece of information. Yes, yes. And we're going to describe it to you on the radio, but a lot of you are going to want to look at a map. Mm -hmm. And I would love to encourage you to go to saveourdomes.org. We have some maps there. You can also go to uh, the DGS website. You can also call them, and they have an office. And they're very helpful and very very friendly. You are more than welcome to stop in and ask them questions. Oh, that's right. That's uh, not too far from here. That's right. Right by the university down here. It is. Mm-hmm. Well, so actually, that's the... By Beaver Sports? Well, that's the geophysical survey. Okay. So the mining office is going to be, it's in that kind of compound across from Fred's West. Okay. So you can get to it I'm from, glad you made that distinction because I know of the one down here by the right. university, but that one's further up by Freddy's. Okay. Right. So you can get there 
there from airport or Geist. Geist. There yeah. we go. Airport or Geist. Okay, great. Yeah. And they're they're very friendly and they would be more than happy to kind of answer your questions. Right. Like where is my house going to be in relation to giant mines? Yes. And they they <laughs> do have that available on their website via Alaska Mapper. Mm-hmm. I will warn you, however, that it is not very intuitive software, okay. and it can be... Um, is that more like an ArcGIS kind It of is. Okay. It is. You don't have to have ArcGIS. It's all web-hosted, yeah, yeah. but it comes with a variety of different layers yeah. to look at. And so if you don't know what... And, and they do have a legend, and they do have a manual on how to use it. That mm-hmm. is quite helpful, but it's, it's very general. Right. And one thing that we are currently working on is a a how-to guide on how to get the specific Mm. layers that you want Mm -hmm. and they do have sometimes it, it works for it works for most addresses, but they have a search bar where you can type in an address and okay. it'll zoom in there. Okay. And then you can kind of see what's around it. it. Would that be kind of a sandwiching of something like a, a map app like Google Maps and the state data? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So. And, you know, and sometimes, sometimes those applications are, it takes a while to develop them. It sounds like we're well into that process. Yes. Uh, and it sounds like you need a, a certain level of sophistication in using computers, et cetera, and maybe even a really high-quality computer to, to download those, those layers and actually use them. You don't have to download the layers, which okay. is nice. Okay. But I don't really recommend you try to do this on your phone. You're okay. going to want a larger screen. Now, if you go to the DGS office, they have a computer there. And they can walk you through it. Okay, great. So yeah, yeah so that's that's available. Okay. And I, you know, if anyone has any questions about this, I highly recommend you go and ask them. Yeah, because uh, they can. And we at save our uh, save our domes. We also, uh, when we have tables, we will try to have a computer there. Oh, great! And so if so, you, people can locate right there. Exactly, okay. we can help you look it up. Wow. So that that's, that's quite a that's a. I mean, besides the activism you're doing and that you're you know, interacting with the public and sharing information, that's really, really helpful. I mean, that's helpful for each individual here that they can go do that. That's quite a, quite a public service. Yes, and, and it's just, like I said, it's critical that people know exactly yeah. where this is happening. Right. And I also want to mention that DNDGS is currently working on kind of a, a new version of Alaska Mapper that is a little more user-friendly. Okay, good. Um, I don't know exactly when they're going to have that out. They've been working on it for a little while. Mm-hmm. So, But we're really looking forward to seeing that come out. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that will be soon since it's uh, really needed. But I know that a, a lot of offices like that are, you know, once again, because it's a state agency, they're underfunded or they have some stressors in terms of financials and then also a lack of employees sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Right. Okay. So we were just talking about how the public can go and look up where their property is in relation to these mining projects. I was wondering, for these different areas, are there is there kind of just one group that's dealing with this issue, or are there multiple ones? Because it's kind of spanning a large area around Fairbanks. 
Yeah, and that's that's a really good question. You know, this is all based on the geology and where the gold is. So we've talked a lot about Esther Dome and Treasure Creek, which is Old Murphy Dome area. There's also Cleary Summit, which is where ski land is. There's Amanita, which is off of Chena Hot Springs Road. And then that kind of what is being called Northeast Fairbanks, which is up north, the north side of Fort Knox along the, the Chattanooga off the Steese. Now, some of these areas, for example, Amanita, have already organized. Okay, so they have a group that is looking at this and maybe responding. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and we are working with them to help support them in their fight. Now, each of these areas are either owned by different companies, Mm. being explored by different companies, and they're also in different exploration phases. Okay. So you have early exploration, mid-exploration, and then kind of the final stages of exploration where they're really just kind of rounding out their deposit model, and they're getting ready to sell it. Okay. Personally, I only know of one of these areas that's kind of in that final stage of exploration, and that's Cleary Summit. Mm. So they're about to sell to a production company. Yeah, and what's really interesting is Skiland has become a nonprofit, and they just received a large a large donation from Fort Knox. Okay. Hmm. So I'm not entirely sure what's going on there, but if you enjoy Skiland, enjoy it as much as you can. So it might not be there in the future. <laughs> the project is called Golden Summit, but it's on Cleary Summit. Golden Summit has, they've been... So they're renaming stuff. Yes. Well, you know, yes. Uh, It sounds better for the investors. I see. I want to invest in Golden Summit. That sounds good. Right. That's what the gentrifiers and the colonialists always do. They come in and rename stuff to benefit them anyway. Yes. So I believe it was in 2017, they had enough data that they went ahead and contracted out a a company to do a mine plan Mm. of exactly where the pit would be and the best the best way to mine this deposit based on their current model. Mm -hmm. Now, since then, they have discovered a lot more gold. And so they are currently getting a new mine plan uh, project. Now, they're not necessarily going to be just keep expanding they do and Mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of what happens with these mines is they want to find especially for the exploration companies they want to find as big a deposit as they can because they can sell it for more money and then the production companies come in and they mine it but while they're mining they're continuing to explore Ah, so they're yes they're always expanding Mm. um kind of what they can mine hasn't that happened with other mines locally as well like they were going to be kind of temporary and then they just keep expanding that happens to pretty much much every single mine because oh, okay. uh, once once you sink it's the, built in exactly okay. once you sink the money into building a mill after a certain point you've kind of paid off the mill so you can go after a lower grade ore i see okay fort knox was originally supposed to be a relatively short mine life but they keep extending it and that's just the nature of things that's that's how the financial side works is they can only say we know within a certain statistical certainty that there's this much gold here and this is how long it would take to mine it but they always know they can't publicly release oh well we we're pretty sure there's actually this much gold here okay. they, they can't publicly release that mm-hmm. so that's 
where it can get a little tricky. For example, Mancho is only supposed to be a three to five year project. Now that one, they may actually have a really good handle on that it is a small project and it could actually be that short, but there's no guarantee that they're not gonna find more. Right, and they'll just keep exploring as they're mining and they could expand it out even further. Exactly, now I- I think it's four years, it's like, two to build up, four years of actual extraction, and then two to reclaim. Right. So Fairbanks had, it was the True North Mine. Uh-huh. It was a relatively short little mine. You know, they, uh-huh. they it was a, a small deposit. They extracted it. They uh, reclaimed it. And now it's kind of sort of going back to nature. Yeah. But it seems like with the really quite vigorous exploration right now, right, that this is not going to be just, oh, we're coming in, we're going to dig a little hole, and then we're leaving. No, this is like kind of region-wide, it looks like. Yes. So region-wide, there's a couple different types of deposits. So we have these high-grade veins, and that's what they have on Esther Dome, Mm -hmm. and that's also kind of what they're seeing at Cleary Summit. Okay. But then you have these larger, more disseminated deposits, such as Fort Knox. Okay. And that's where you're going to get these really big open pits, and it could be a combination of open pit and underground workings. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that why they're at different stages? Because you said that the, all these different projects, all these different exploration projects are different points on a timeline, basically. They can be, and and the larger the, the deposit, the longer it's gonna take for them to define it okay. to be able to sell it off. Well, that makes sense, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, some of these deposits have been known about longer than others, and they've mm-hmm. been exploring longer than others. Okay. For example, Treasure Creek has really, they really didn't start exploring that until like the last two or three years. Okay. Mm. And then the area north of Fort Knox, that's, they're just starting to explore that area. Okay. So that that area, you know, and just because they're exploring an area doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna turn into a mine. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at a map, you're gonna see these large areas where they have all these leases. Well, they may not even necessarily be actively exploring in that area. And then other- But they're kind of holding, holding them in reserve. They are. Mm-hmm. And then for example, Amanita, they have stopped exploration there because of issues with access to okay. that land. Also, is that because homeowners are like, no, I don't want you coming through here because ex- this is my property? Exactly. Okay. Um, there's also good for you, Amanita. <laughs> there's also a nature reserve there. Okay, there you go. And the mental health trust was like, yeah, sure, we'll open this land, no problem. And they didn't even mention that there was a neighborhood there or a nature reserve. Oh my goodness. So wow. that's kind of that's kind of uh, what you can expect from certain government yeah. agencies is like I said it's a conflict of interest. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. The public really needs to get involved because otherwise your government that is supposed to represent you is just going to streamline this process and not consider you. Like we just mentioned with this Amanita pro- uh, project with the exploration they didn't consider that there was a neighborhood or a nature preserve there. They didn't consider that at all. Just the mining, just the company coming in and getting access. So good on you, Amanita Neighborhood, for doing that. And also, it sounds like if you are listening to this and you are in one of the effective areas, you maybe want to talk to your neighbors and get together and talk about this and form groups like Amanita has done 
maybe contact Save Our Domes, maybe contact some um, state agencies to get more information, et cetera. Think about your interests as residents here. Think about, you know, your, the health of, of the water and the land and your kids. You know, think about all that. And then if we get together, if these local groups, neighborhood groups, get together and form a coalition, that's actually a lot of power. It is. And Amanita is a good example of that. Yeah. You know, they, they got together and they contacted the company and they, they kind of made a big stink about it. And the company was like, you know what? I have other other areas to explore, and I'm just going to take a step back from here, and I'm going to work on other areas. Good. Esther Dome is so dearly held by so many people, right. and it's a relatively small deposit there. Yeah. So, you know, is this company really going to try to put up that much of a fight right. to get this amount some, of gold? And there's some very active people out there yes. who, are, who are not going to take crap. No. Right. But Treasure Creek, on the other hand, has their thinking it's going to be maybe even bigger than Fort Knox. Wow. And it's on the north side of that ridge. No one really lives on the north side there. Mm -hmm. So if you live in that area, you know, you've got an uphill battle. Yeah. And also Cleary Summit because they're so far along. And again, it's mainly ski land. There's not necessarily a whole lot of people that live there. But if you live in Haystack, you're going to have a beautiful view of it. Yeah, right. If a few people's quality of life is being upset, that's actually a big deal. It's actually a big deal that these mines are actually going to affect all of our quality of life, though. Everybody who lives here is going to be affected by this. It's not just the people who live right next to the mine, although they're going to they're going to bear the brunt of it. And it's also people that come to visit. Yeah. It's not just residents. It's people who want to come to Fairbanks and experience the Aurora or those that come up on the Princess Cruise Lines. Right. What's going to happen if these mines go through? Are people going to want to come here and experience all the light pollution, all of the extra road traffic? Right. And I think a point of activism is to actually diversify our economy. If we're narrowing it back down to just mining, I, that's that's not our future. I don't feel like that's our future is to do that. We need to diversify our economy, you know, get lots of different people employed. Not everybody is going to be, be able to be employed by the mining industry. You know, we, we do have people who work in customer service and, you know, the tourism industry and, you know, guides who take people out to, to hunt and, and that sort of thing. That's also going to be affected. I mean, and how many people is that? That's That's quite a lot, actually. So you keep mentioning that there's these mining areas are, are kind of in different points in this process. So when I think of like these processes, there's usually kind of a lull between actions. I've gone and I've testified at hearings before a decision is made. Is that the kind of thing that happens in this process? Does the public have any direct uh, actions that they can do where they can vo- voice their concerns? There is options or there there are opportunities for the public to voice their concerns to the government mm-hmm. about these plans. Yeah. And they are not required to have public input for exploration okay. um, permits. Okay. It is a courtesy. Oh. Okay. Now so Who's giving who? Who's giving that courtesy to the public? 
the that, state? Or? The state. Okay. And I had... That, that doesn't make sense. Well, and so Amanita ran into an issue with this. The lease was being modified by the exploration company, and the residents of Amanita had been in contact with DGGS, yeah. and DGGS said, you know, well, before anything, any new permits are approved, you know, we will let you know, and you can have your, your public comment. Well, they did not notify them, and they approved the permit. Mm. And the Did ju- not notify the public? Th- that's right. And okay. the justification for that was, is they were just altering the lease. Well, all kinds of modifications can be done to a permit to expand it though. Exactly. Yeah. And and so I had I had asked the department, do you guys have a procedure or a standard for what type of changes warrant Mm. public interest or you know public comment? Right. And they I would think every every change personally. They do not. Oh wow. So it kind of, once again, is defaulting to whomever has a lot of power in the situation, which is the mining interest. Exactly. Kind of the good news in all of this is when they go to convert an exploration permit to an upland mining lease, which is uh, actually allows them to mine, there is an opportunity for public comment, and that must be advertised. Mm. Now, it's not necessarily advertised loudly, right? but that is something... It sounds like you need to be on the, the particular email list or whatever. Yes, and you can sign up for those email mm-hmm. lists, and there are filters to help you filter what type of information you get, but be prepared for an avalanche of information that right. you're going to have to comb through. And a lot of that is really technical stuff that the that lay people in the in the public are just not going to understand. Right. And yeah. so that's one of the things that Save Our Domes is trying to keep an eye on mm-hmm. is we're trying to find out when and where the public can have comment on oh, these things. Oh, yes. Thank you for doing that. Yes. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of work. I yeah. personally am not on that side of things, but yeah. if anyone is interested in helping us do that, we are always looking for volunteers. If any of that disturbs you, form these groups, get involved. Save Our Domes seems to be doing such great work and, you know, on a shoestring budget. And I got to say, I'm so impressed with you personally because it obviously is a lot of work. You were talking a little bit how it affected your career, right? You're extraordinarily brave to do this. But I'm also imagining that people can get involved in a more anonymous way. And, you know, we already have people who are helping us anonymously. And so if you feel like you're not in a position where you can attach your name mm-hmm. to your assistance, right. we can work with you. Right. Um, you know, and what kind, of, what kind of people would you like to or do you need to become involved? Well, we're always looking for people that are going to be in these affected areas mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they're they're really the ones that right. need to fight. Right. And, and we're hoping we're hoping to get the word out just to everyone that this is happening yeah. but those um, people who have some technical background mm-hmm. are who are you know really good with computers 
or like to make phone calls or man tables at events mm-hmm. or graphic designers mm. or, you know, there's... there's Yeah, so that could include, like, young people in the community as well. I know a lot of young people who are really into graphic design who are in college and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and we do have we do have some funds and, you know, so we don't want to be taking advantage of, ev- of anyone, right. but we can pay for services. Oh, wonderful. Um, another thing that we need is we need people to show up at the assembly meetings. Mm, yes. Me personally, I have a very difficult time attending those because of my family obligations. Sure. But, you know, even if you can just attend one, and you don't necessarily have to go to every single one, but that is a very, very good place to voice our concerns. In those meetings, I haven't been to those. I've been to the city ones. I haven't been to the assembly ones yet. Is there a a time in the meeting where it's uh, unstructured, where they can just, where people can can speak? Uh, sometimes some meetings have that built in. It's like a, a public comment, but not on a specific topic. Right, and they they do, and it, it's a little, it's also a little tricky because the borough actually doesn't have that much power here. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's not necessarily borough land, but the borough, well. Let me back that up. So the borough has land that they have sold to people to build their houses on knowing that they were on top of potential mine sites. Oh, no. Mm, that's terrible. So, I mean, there's that they don't really do that anymore. So for new neighborhoods, they get mineral closing orders, which says, you know, this land is designated as residential or commercial or whatever, and mining is a nuisance. Okay. But these mineral closing orders are relatively easy to reverse. Okay. So in residential areas, there are mineral closing orders which shut off uh, development, but they're very easy to, to, turn over, to turn over, and there are actually people living right on those plots. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's not very many, but still mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of appalling. People who are buying land should be informed, but it's kind of, a, I guess, a dirty secret that, you know, I guess you need to look into your your land rights or where you are. And anyone who's looking to buy a house right now, I would take a pretty close look at, you know, where these potential mines are going to be happening. Yeah. yeah, look at those exploration maps. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Are there any sort of experts that could get involved with your effort? Yes. In particular, we would love to hear from some air quality experts, also economists. Mm. Um, oh, really? Economists? Yes. Yeah. So the I wouldn't have expected that. Yes. Well, uh, the mining industry has done a fantastic job of producing economic reports that tell you how wonderful mining is for the economy, but really the only metric they're looking at is jobs. Mm. Um, they're not necessarily looking at the entire social cost of mining. Right, right. And so we are currently trying to find uh, someone or a firm that can help us produce that. And again, as I said, we do have some funds, so we're not necessarily asking for free work. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if anyone is an economist that wants to help us or knows of one that might want to help us, we would love to get in contact with you. Wow. So if anyone uh, really wants to become involved with us or maybe has a lead on an economist that might be interested in working with us, you can get in touch with us by emailing info at saveourdomes.org. Great. Is there any other sort of expertise that you're looking for? Because, I mean, mining really affects a lot of systems. 
Yes, um, there's biologists, there's hydrologists, there's water quality, there's tourism. You know, Mm. we haven't really heard anything, especially, you know, we've heard a little bit of off the record concerns from the tourism Mm -hmm. industry because there's there's different types of tourism. Right. You know, you have summer tourism, you have winter tourism. Mm-hmm. People come here for a variety of reasons. And it would be really interesting to hear from them, uh, you know, what they could expect to happen to their industry or to their personal business if this is to happen. Yeah. Well, we saw a lot of shutdowns with COVID, right? And a lot of people lost jobs, people that I knew. So what's going to happen if suddenly we have dirty air, water, and lots of huge trucks on the roads and yeah i i i wouldn't want to visit a place like that no and no. i i'm i'm concerned about light pollution in the winter time oh right that's that's the aurora people come up here from from all over to 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 watch the aurora yeah yeah, yeah. all right thank you so much sarah for coming by and and talking with me today this is such a an important important local issue i'd been really wanting to speak to somebody about this Yeah, and thank you to all the people in Amanita and also Esther, all the troublemakers who are getting out there and helping their neighbors. Y'all are helping all of us here in the borough. You're you're helping preserve our water quality, our air quality, our quality of life just in general. That's the direction we've been going recently, so let's keep doing that rather than going backwards. I I don't want to see us go backwards to dirtier air, etc. Anyway, so if people want to get, if people want to contact me, I'm going to do a lot of interviews about these subjects. If you are somebody who is concerned, if your property is near one of these sites, if you're looking to form a neighborhood group that maybe fights this or has their, has more of a say in this process, talk to me. Or you know, maybe talk to uh, Save Our Domes. And to contact me, Shane Brody, S-H-A-N-E at kwrk.org. Currently, my Fairbanks Public Affairs show is on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock. It's for two hours. I usually play an interview and some music. To get more involved with Save Our Domes, once again, contact info, I-N-F-O, at saveourdomes.org. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's a pleasure to talk to you, and I hope you come back. And when different things happen, when we have other milestones in this process, I would love to talk to you about that. You know, get the information out so that everybody here in Fairbanks is well informed about what's going on. Thank you so much, Shane. And I'm so happy to have had you interview me. There's so much love for the Fairbanks community here. Yeah. We just love it so much, and. Mining would fundamentally change Fairbanks. Yeah, yeah. We we all have a lot of civic pride here, so let's put that to good use. Yes, yeah. and we also always have a table at the Goldstream Community Market. Oh, great. Yeah, so there's always some Is that like a farmer's market? It is a farmer's market, great. and it's I believe it's on Thursdays from 4 to 7. I'm, I'm imagining you need some volunteers for that as well. Yes, because uh, we, we have a table, we have information, we have maps, so if anyone has any questions or wants to get in touch with us, that's another option. All right, great. I always like to try and uh, have some sort of call to action, you know, some way that people can get involved if they are concerned about things. So I I love that we have several options here. All right. Thank you very much. All right, y'all. I'll be playing this fairly soon. 
thank you for listening to my show. And once again, if you need to contact me uh, for more information or if you want to be interviewed, contact me at S-H-A-N-E at K-W-R-K dot O-R-G. All right. Thanks, y'all.